Nice to see you guys. Hate it. Done. Done. Gone. No longer going to be there no more. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're going to give it away. There's uh, some of the other people in some other church that I think are going to take it. So pastor said he was going to give it to them. So that's what our plan is. Yeah, I'm a little off, ain't I? Right there. That's better. That's better. So this way here, if I want to do a visual, I can do one. If I want to have somebody come up here and stand. No, I'm joking. All right. So anyway, thank you for coming. If uh, you have never been here tonight or before, welcome tonight. We'd love to have you here. Um, Shelby kind of said a few things uh, real quick to you. I want you to understand you're always welcome. Um, We try not to put a lot of boundaries around people. We try not to have there be a ton of rules. But at the beginning, when there's a whole lot of different people, we might have to go over some rules from time to time, so you might hear some. And that's probably why you're starting to see some of the graphics, like go to the bathroom early. Do you understand? There'd be just like, it'd be travesty if people are like leaving and coming. And and you know what? There comes a time in your guys' age where you're like actually able to hold and control your bladder. You know, you don't have to go potty every two seconds. And I'm sure that you guys really can handle that. I'm, I'm sure that if you're in school, you're not allowed to. So it's like here, I just expect the same respect. I think it's only necessary. So um, want to get in with real quick with the message. But one thing, let me tell you real quick. If you treat me with respect, I will treat you with respect. We won't treat you like little kids. We'll allow you to get up and go as long as you come back at a timely matter and be decent. So keep that in mind. I want to start off real quick with the uh, question, have you ever been lost? Has anybody out there ever been lost? It's not fun, is it? It's actually, you get that little <gasps> moment of fear, like, uh, I don't think I'm going to find my way, and you don't know for sure which direction to go. All the roads look confusing, especially if you travel, you know, you realize that sometimes the roads that say that they're going east and west, you're like, well, I thought that was a north and south. I didn't even understand it was like that. Do you guys know actually how the roads go? Do you know that all roads that are odd go uh, north and south and all roads that are even go east and west? Do you know that? So if you know if it's like 52, it's a road that's going to go east and west. You know, if it's a 51, 39, north, see, something good to remember for maps. Just a little, a little nugget of information for you. So just remember the main ones around here. It'll keep you always accountable. So if you're looking for a road, you'll know that. That was life-changing for me when I remember. I realized that. I'm not kidding. I was like, all this time, a whole entire life, and no one ever told me that before? So it's like, you guys know this right off the bat. You're going to save yourself a lot of trouble. Have you ever been given directions by someone that you knew did not have any more information or idea than you know? It is horrible. I hate that. When someone sits there and they tell you, it's like, oh, yeah, um, you know, uh, uh, well, no. And then after a while, you just like want to stop them right then and say, stop. That's okay. I'll just go to the next person because you know you're not getting anywhere. And even if you do, the time's ticking. You know, you're like, I got to get going here. We don't want to follow people that are just as lost as us, do we? want someone that's going to know the direction. I love it when I can go up to someone and say, hey, do you know which way to go? And they're like, yeah, go down this road, take a right, turn left, and then you're basically there. I'm like, that's fabulous. Thanks. That's great. You know, you love that part of it. But uh, if someone gives you unsure directions when you're lost, you know, and they're just looking confused, 
you definitely don't want their advice and you don't ever want to go to them again because you're like, man, just, you know, it's not going to work that way. Last week we talked about the word I am. And I explained to you that when we talk in our, our language a lot of times that God actually describes himself as I am. That's his name. I'm going to kind of go through that really quick again with you. It says in Exodus 3, right at the beginning of the Bible, it says Moses asked God what he, could, what he should say to the people that he was trying to set free from slavery when they asked who it was that sent him to do it. And Moses asked, what do I tell them? And God says, I am who I am. Tell the people of Israel that I am sent me to you. So we know that God calls himself I am told you when we write those up i mean you know we had like 50 i think honestly there was 50 52 people here last week it was a, a smaller crowd and i think we ended up having like 20 some up there so not everybody put them up but you know you had all these different people that wrote down things and i said maybe what it is throughout our daily life a lot of times when we say things like i'm tired or i am lonely and everything maybe the reason why god gets his attention our we get his attention so much is because we are actually using his name I am. And then we can say what it is that we are. So it's something to really think about. But I want to kind of go into a little bit deeper um, what the great I am is all about. God talks about how he is the great I am. And uh, I definitely think that it's something that we need to really clarify. We have to know the right direction. There can be no confusion about who God is, who this great I am is, because if we don't know, we're never going to want to take the directions and we're never going to end up in the right location in the future so we really do have to know that um god has no confusion obviously he speaks with a lot of authority doesn't he he says i am the i am it sounds so confusing but actually it's really really clear it really makes sense the definition of i am it says i am is the first person singular present tense form of the main copular verb in English. It's interesting because it says first person singular, present. I am. I, singular. Am. I'm here. I'm present. I'm present is what it's saying. That's really interesting because even though it says singular, we understand that there's, there's a way that God tells us to really look at him. And uh, the one true God is actually described as the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's all one wrapped up together. First person singular. The Bible actually teaches us that God is three persons sharing one essence in the Trinity, and God is really like tripersonal, you know? It's kind of like the egg. You know, you might have heard it that way before. You know, you look at an egg, okay? An egg is an egg, regardless if you take out the yolk. You look at the yolk, you say, yeah, that's an egg. You take out the white part, you're like, yeah, that's the egg. The shell, yeah, that's the egg. All together, they're all separate, but they make up the egg. That's what God is. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You can look at it as in water. You know, there's different forms. There's vapor, Holy Spirit. You know, there's solid. You know, there's liquid. Those are the things. They're all water, just different ways it's, it's done. So God is really not as confusing as sometimes we make him out to be. God isn't confused. We're just really confused. Um, it definitely signifies that this God that we serve and love is very much present in our life. If you look at what I am means, it means that he's here, that he's among us. You know, you need to get this 
idea in your head that God is dead completely out of your mind because God is alive. He's alive. He exists. He is real. And if you've never met him, I, you know, I pray that you do. I pray that you understand who he is because, you know what, for a long time I didn't. And then I recognize now, I'm thinking, man, I would never want to live without it. I would never want to be without God next to me. You know, we, we serve a God who's really involved in our lives on a daily basis. From the moment we get up, the time we go to bed, it's the time we sleep, all through the night, he's there. And he's really as close as a whisper. That's how close God is to us. You know, he hears our calls. He sees our needs even sometimes before we do. And, uh, you know, answers our prayers. God answers prayers. God answers prayers for this. He knew, that he knew it was something that needed to be done. We were going to kick off the missions um, startup tonight. And, you know, we needed that projector. And it wasn't working. But you know what? God can answer prayers if we're faithful. And I'm always, you know, amazed but not amazed that he does it every single time. If you don't recognize who this great I am is, please talk to someone afterwards. Come up and talk to me. I'm hoping over time that you're going to understand who this God is that we say he is. The I am. I mean, it's so amazing to know him. Even though God's not confused, even though he's very assured of who he is, I think that we as people really struggle with who we say God is. I think we're just really confused. I think that society keeps us confused and wants us confused, really. Um, You know, there's an old saying. How many people have you ever heard the saying, like when someone breaks up with somebody? You know, if like they're in a relationship and, you know, they really don't want to work out this relationship, so what they say is, hey, it's not you, it's me. I want you to understand your relationship with God. It's not God, it's you. If you're not close to God, it's because you're not being close. If you've known God in the past and all of a sudden you don't feel close, it's because you broke the dates. It's because you're not calling, you're not talking. It's because you don't feel like there's a relationship. And you know what happens over time in any relationship if you don't spend time? There's a weirdness that starts to take place. Don't you feel it even in friendships if you've not been with somebody, if you haven't been with? All of a sudden, you're with that person. You're kind of like at the beginning. You know, some people, you immediately get back in your friendship, like the vibe again. You're like everybody turns in the same people that they always were. But sometimes there's people that they get back in your group, and you almost like have to get the weirdness gone again and kind of feel like you're together and you're, you're close. That's what happens with our relationship with God. It's no different. It's just like any communication, anybody that we love, anybody that we care about, if we don't talk to them, if they don't, we don't spend time with them, we don't give our energy and time to it, we're going to start to feel a little bit indifferent, a little funny when we're around them. And after a while, we're going to say, you know, I don't really want to hang out with you that much. And you're going to quit. And that's what takes place. We break up. We break up with God. There are countless of people that are confused about who God is. You know, they might have heard about him. They might even have thought that they met him. And you know what? They could have actually met him. But they didn't stay in right relationship with him, and they didn't stay close. Most of the time we hear about God. We hear the word God. We hear about it spoken in in different ways in our society. We hear about it as, you know, some generic word or a being that's just out there, you know, amongst us. It's a God. Or I'm sure you guys have heard before when we talk about God that's like the old man in the sky. You've heard of that, I'm sure. Um, Of course, we hear the word God being thrown about all the time with God bless America. 
You know, in God we trust on our money. God, you hear those different things being spoken. You hear people when they're really, like, exasperated or frustrated or angry or annoyed. Sometimes they're like, they say, oh, God. You know, it's just what they do. It's like what they call out. Sometimes in fear, you see, most of the time that really does happen when someone is in a situation where they're going to be hurt, they'll yell out, God. And I really think that's inside of us because that's because God created us. I think a lot of times, I don't think that's even learned behavior. I think it's the way we're made. I think it's that God-shaped hole in each one of us, regardless if we want him or not, he's right there. How we know God is kind of like celebrities sometimes. You know, I think that we've seen these celebrities on, we might have watched like every movie that they've ever made. We might have seen a movie that they produced or starred in or whatever, and you think you know them. Oh, yeah, I know that celebrity. You might have seen them on a talk show, and you're like, you know what? I know him. They've sat there and talked about everything, and I know, you know, yeah, he was talking. I know about his personality. I know who he is. But, you know, the thing is, they might be completely playing a game. A lot of times, they don't really know him. I might know of some celebrity, but I don't know them. I've not spent time with them. I've really not developed in a close relationship where I'm really communicating with them and, you know, bouncing words back and forth. Communication isn't just not me speaking. It's you talking back to me when I'm talking to you, and that's communication. Communication is a two-way street. And celebrities, we see these people on television or in the movies, we see only what they're saying. They're not hearing what we have to say. We're not talking back and forth. We don't truly know these people. And I think that's exactly what happens with God a lot of times. We don't really get to know him. We just know about him. We've heard about him. Might have kind of somewhat gone to a church and, and maybe seen him there on the cross or whatever. But we don't know who he is. I would definitely have to argue that those people that have not changed their lives don't really know who God is. They don't know him. They don't know the God that I know, and they really haven't met him. I would definitely say that that's the case. God is definitely not confused about who he is. I really want that to be driven home tonight. I want you to understand he is not confused. He talks with such authority about who he is. And I think that we just really don't understand this God and what he's accomplished and what he does for us on a daily basis, what he's created, what he allows to us to be blessed with. I mean, we're, we live on an amazing planet. I mean, regardless of what you think, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, the Bible talks about how heaven is going to be, the, actually it says the new earth is going to be amazingly beautiful. What this looks like today is going to be just dim in comparison to what's going to be in the future. But we know how beautiful this place is now. I mean, how wonderful is that going to be? He gave us an area to live that's actually really pretty and we enjoy. He gave us animals to enjoy and, and all those different things. You know, I was even thinking about the fact this morning, I was thinking, you know, it's really interesting how God created animals because, you know, I'm thinking... How did he create these animals? He created us for them for joy for us, that we actually have companionship and, and love from an animal. But also what's really interesting is, you know, they, they're out there, they're doing things in, in the environment to help. And then, I mean, also they die, and they, they feed other animals off their dead carcasses. You know? I'm thinking, really, how amazing it is that, you know, an animal dies and the birds come and eat and, and all these different things. I mean, it's really amazing how God set up this whole entire thing, how it works. You know, 
I want to go to the very beginning. It's in Exodus 6. God speaks to Moses, and he prepares him for the work that he was called to do. And he was actually supposed to go out, and you know, if you guys have ever heard the message of what Moses did, basically it was to set the people free. I'm sure you guys, how many of you guys have seen, um, what is it called? Prince of Egypt. How many of you guys just saw that? I'm sorry. I think Moses in that was really hot. Actually, he was really an old man. He was really nice looking in there, which is nice for like, you know, movies, but he was actually a lot older than that at that time, in truth. But his whole plan with Moses was to go out and really to set the um, Israelites free. They were being held captive. They were being held in Egypt against their will, and they were being enslaved. They were there just to make bricks and to work hard and just to, you know, trudge around and do everything for the Egyptians and Pharaoh. So God is actually tells him, you know, you're supposed to go. What he actually says, he says, I am God. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as a strong God, but by my name, God, I am present. I was not known to them. I established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the country in which they lived as sojourners, and sojourners as travelers, someone that travels through an area. But now I've heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians continue to enslave, and I've remembered my covenant. Therefore tell the Israelites, I am God. I will bring you out from under the cruel labor of Egypt. I will rescue you from slavery. I will redeem you, intervening with great acts of judgment. I'll take you as my people, and I'll be God to you. You'll know that I am your God, your God, who brings you out from under the cruel, hard labor of Egypt. I'll bring you into the land that I promised to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and give it to you as your own country. I am God. That's what he tells him. He says, I am God. I'm going to release you from slavery. I am going to give you freedom. That's the same God today. Same God that did that in Moses' time offers that same freedom to each one of us today. I'm God. I can help you in all your problems, all your struggles, all your addictions, all your, you know, financial needs, everything that you're going through. I am God. I can help you. That's what it's all about. Like I said, this is a God who's very confident, amazingly confident, not vague, God is not vague. I mean, it's vague. That, you can't say anybody that says, I am. That's his name. That's not vague. That's pretty clear. I am. He's assured. He isn't ambiguous. He doesn't waver. He's definite. He's definitely not confused. I think he's pretty matter of fact about everything. You know, he is ours, and he's also Jesus's heavenly father. He makes that clear. He also makes it clear right off the bat, he says that he sent his son to die for our sins. That's the whole entire plan. If you read the Old Testament, it's all the precursor of exactly what's going to take place in the New Testament. It's exactly the whole entire plan. In Isaiah, it says it. It starts to really just prophesy all the things that are going to take place in Bible times. Because of his assurance, the way that God had Jesus come, Jesus was also very assured of who he was. And what's interesting about Jesus is he also, because of the Trinity, because of the thing like I'm saying with the egg, the water, he also says, I am, when he talks about him being God. That's how he uses that word, I am. And then he goes through in the Bible, and he actually says seven different things of how he describes who he is. I am this, is what he says. And in John 6, right after feeding the 5,000, Jesus actually speaks the first of those seven. In John's gospel, um, each one really that emphasizes important aspect of what Jesus actually specifically came to do for each one of us. 
right after the miracle of when he feeds the 5,000. And we all know, I mean, if you, if you don't know, I'm going to tell you real quick. You know, these people were coming to be healed. They knew that Jesus, there was something really true and real about him. And that he could set people free from, from problems. He could, he could change lives. He could make the blind see. He could make the lame to walk. And he could do all these amazing things. And so people were running to him. They wanted him to touch them. They wanted him to say yes and heal their bodies. So here they are following him everywhere, even though there was all these enemies that were trying to kill Jesus for the things that he was doing. These people were trying to get next to him so that they could be healed. And what ended up happening is while they were there, all these people were there and they were so far away. I mean, there's no Wendy's, no McDonald's at that time. Not one every block like it was like it is today. These people were hungry and Jesus had compassion. That's one of the things that Jesus says all the time. I had compassion when I looked at them. He knew that they were hungry. So they're trying to think, what are we going to do? How are we going to feed these people? So there's this small little boy that's there. And again, I want you to understand, this is why I tell you all the time, don't ever look down on who you are. Because look at, if not for the little boy being there, they wouldn't have been able to do all these wonderful things. See, that's, God uses small things a lot of times to just do huge, amazing miracles. So he has a small boy that actually just has two small fish and I think it was like five, uh, five small loaves of barley bread. So Jesus actually takes at least 5,000 people. And what's amazing at the time, they didn't even count women and children. That was 5,000 men. They didn't even count women and, and, and the kids at that time. So here we know there was probably way more than that. But he actually takes this bread and this fish, and he decides he's going to multiply it, and he's going to feed everybody. He's going to show that there is a miracle that can take place out of this. And he does. He does it to the point where he feeds every single person. They're all satisfied. And there is actually loaves of, uh, or baskets of bread that are left over. Twelve leftovers after feeding everybody. But what's really interesting is right after this entire thing happens, Jesus decides he's going to escape. He's going to go away because he knows that there's going to be more and more people that are going to try to make him an earthly king because they're seeing all these miracles take place. And he knew it wasn't the right time. He had to escape because it was all about dying for our sins, not becoming an earthly king, which what society would do today even to people that were like trying to do something good. We try to make people be glorified here. And he's like, I'm not to be glorified here. I'm to be glorified in heaven. I'm supposed to be doing what my father told me to do. So he escapes. And when he actually escapes, um, it's, it's really amazing because the disciples who are really considered the saints. And I want you to understand one thing. In our society, a lot of times people will talk about who's a saint. In the Bible, if you read God's word, it says a saint is anybody who believes <clears throat> in Jesus Christ. <coughs> Can you get me water? Alice or Sal? Um, those are saints. Anybody who believes in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're a saint. I'm a saint. I don't have to have somebody tell me that I'm a saint. I don't have to have no big congregation that votes god's word says i am a saint what's amazing is disciples they were still flawed god considered them saints thank you honey these saints these disciples saw this miracle being performed they saw these loaves of bread being multiplied and two small fish being like made into this huge abundance to feed these people and then what happens right after that is jesus you know walks away he goes away, and the disciples, they realize that, you know, they got to get back. So they get in the boat. They get in the boat right after that time, 
And all of a sudden, the wind kicks up. The water starts churning, you know, really tossing the boat around, and everyone's getting really worried. So what happens is Jesus starts to walk back. And, of course, we know the miracle is he walks on water. He's God. So he can walk on water. And as soon as they see him, they're looking. They're like, who is it? Who is it? You know, who is it? Is it, is it you? And, and right off the bat, he says, it's me. It's all right. Don't be afraid. Don't you think it's amazing that they just watched him perform these miracles, amazing miracles, and then right after that, when he walks across on water, which is another amazing miracle, they followed him. They watched him perform all these healings, and yet they still didn't recognize who he was. They still didn't understand that he was God. Maybe the reason why we don't understand is because we don't recognize him. Maybe that's why we're so confused about who he is, because we just don't recognize who Jesus is. You know, the next day, um, there's all these people there, and Jesus performs, you know, all these miracles and does all these things. But what happens is all the people recognize that Jesus isn't around. So there's these whole groups of boats that were coming in for more miracles to be performed. And, and they're from this Tiberius, I think it was, that they called it. And there's these open boats. So they take and they all these people get back on the boats, and they go over to Capernaum to try to find Jesus again because they want to talk to him about this miracle, and they want more miracles to be performed for each of the people that are there. And when they finally find him, he's actually teaching, which is what he did, trying to heal people, trying to tell them about the truth. And when they find him, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And I think that's so amazing, because they saw him do all these great things, but they called him Rabbi. They didn't call him God. They called him teacher. They didn't call him Lord. They didn't call him Savior. They didn't call him their deliverer. They called him teacher. Even though they saw miracles, they didn't recognize him as God. And Jesus answered him. He said, you've come looking for me, not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you, because I filled your stomachs for free. That's what it's all about. Don't, isn't that just like our society? Isn't that just like our human nature? We all just want this, like, quick thing, the quick fix. Feed me, help me. And Jesus is like, no, I got more for you than that. That's not near enough when what I want to give you. I have an amazing freedom that I can give you. I can be your God. You can ask me for the things of, that will just confound you in your life instead of just asking for a quick meal and that stuff. You got to love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus so much because he is not like people of today. Jesus was very hardcore. He called people out on things. He straightened them out all the time. And uh, he called this person out. He actually wasn't afraid to offend them. He, if you knew those people, he knew these people that he was talking to, they were headed to hell. They were going to hell and that was all they could do. And he knew that he could give them the alternative. He knew that they could be delivered from that. I think that we're missing that today. We're missing that whole point. I think that we have to start to get into the point that we actually care about someone's final destination enough to offend them, to ask them the tough questions. Why are you here? What's the point? What's, what's this all about? You know, why are you here? Just for a quick fix? Just for some fun and games? We're not here for fun and games. We're here to tell you about the truth. We're here to tell you that there is an amazing God that can forgive you and turn your life around. And you can just have an abundant life if you would seek after him. Jesus tells them, 
Don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that. Work for the food that sticks with you, food that, nourish, food that nourishes your lasting life, food the Son of Man provides. He and what he does are guaranteed by God the Father to last. To that then he said, well, what do we do then to get in on God's works? Jesus said, throw your lot in with the one who God has sent. That kind of commitment gets you in on God's works. See, if we listen and pay attention to what God the Father said, he was sending Jesus to die for us. If we get in on that, we can have our lives be changed. They actually waffled. I'm reading out of the message, by the way. They actually uh, waffled, and they were, that means that they were confused or back and forth. Why don't you just give us a clue about who you are? Just a hint of what's going on. Still didn't know who he is. This God who performed miracles. Give us a clue. Just tell us. Will you help us? How many people sit in a church on a weekly basis and just still don't recognize who he is? We're no different. We're no better. We still sit there and so confused all the time. Who is this God? Who is he? And God's like, man, I'm here for you. Just pay attention. It says here, it says, when we see what's up, we'll commit ourselves. Prove to us some more, Jesus. Prove us some more that you're God. Show us what you can do. Moses fed our ancestors with bread in the desert. It says so in the scriptures. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. We're going to talk about that because there's more to that story too, okay? It says here, when the layer of dew, how many of you guys know about manna? You know what manna is. If you don't know what manna is, I'm going to explain it to you because there's a whole point what I'm trying to explain to you when we talk about Jesus being the bread of life. It says, when the layer of dew had lifted, there on the wilderness ground was a fine, flaky something, fine as frost on the ground. The Israelites took one look and said to another, Manu, what is it? They had no idea what it was. So Moses told them, it's the bread that God has given you to eat, and these are God's instructions. Gather enough for each person, about two quarts per person. Gather enough for everyone in your tent. The people of Israel went to work, started gathering, some more, some less, but when they measured out what they had gathered, those who gathered more had no extra, and those who gathered less weren't short. Each person had gathered as much as was needed. Moses said, do not leave any of it until morning. But they didn't listen to Moses. A few of the men kept back some of it until morning, and then it got wormy and smelled bad. Moses lost his temper with them. Moses lost his temper a lot. I have a lot to do with Moses. They gathered every morning, each person according to the need. When the sun heated up, it melted. And on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, about four quarts per person, because they knew it was the Sabbath and they weren't allowed to work, okay? So, there's this whole story of what exactly happened, what took place. And here are these people walking up to Jesus, the Son of God, and telling them, telling him, you know, Moses fed our ancestors with bread in the desert. It says so in the scriptures. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Is that what happened? No. Moses didn't give them bread from heaven. What does the scriptures just say? That God gave them bread from heaven. That's what, it took, what really took place. It actually says that about a month and a half after the people who were out of slavery, that Moses took out of the slavery, they were about a month and a half into this journey, and they start to begin complaining about their lives. Oh, you know, asking Moses and his brother Aaron, you know, why didn't God just let us die in comfort in Egypt? Why did he bring us out here to die? Like slavery is fun. 
you know. But you know what? This is what we do, don't we? We forget about our problems. We think about another whole thing. We, we forget about the real issue. They were lost. They were dying. They were enslaved. They were miserable. They were unhappy. But all of a sudden, their tummies were a little bit rumbly because they were hungry. And they're like, oh, God should have just left us there. That's what he should have done. And God says, you know what? Because you're complaining, I'll send you manna. I'll send you manna from heaven, bread from heaven, that'll help you to eat. Definitely. A lot of, something really wrong with somebody who'd rather be a slave than actually just be able to be free and, and walk and do the things that, you know, we want to do. So God actually says to Moses, I'm going to rain down bread from the skies for you. The people will go out and gather each day's ration. I'm going to test them to see if they live according to my teaching or not. Do you ever stop to think that maybe God tests you on a lot of things and you just don't know it? Maybe he sees that scripture verse, obedience is better than sacrifice. He sees if you're going to be obedient, if you're going to really seek him, if you're going to really be obedient to the things he says. If you go back into the text in John 6, when the people asked Jesus later on, when he's standing face to face with these people who were just seeing miracles, just saw the 5,000, again, God used bread, bread, five loaves of small loaves of bread, barley, to show them. Jesus talked in parables. He taught in life, showed that, you know what, yes, there's a big, big correlation here between the bread that I'm multiplying for 5,000 people and what happened in the Old Testament with the manna from heaven to feed, to feed these people. There's a whole correlation there. He's trying to get them to understand. He says, um, when the people ask Jesus, why don't you give us a clue about who you are, just a hint of what's going on. When we see what's up, we'll commit ourselves. Show us what we can do. Moses fed our ancestors with bread in the desert. It says in the scriptures, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They show their ignorance. Moses didn't give, like I say, Moses didn't give them manna. God did. Obviously, these people, that they're sitting there talking about these scriptures, they didn't read them, did they? Obviously, they never read the scriptures for themselves. Same thing happens today with you guys. I could come up here and tell you a story, a complete made-up story about God's word. If you've never read it, you're going to believe me. You have to know God's word for yourself. And obviously the people that were around these people, they weren't telling the true scriptures. They weren't telling them that it was God who provided manna. They said Moses. Men are always trying to take glory for what God does. It's the same thing that happened then. Moses didn't try to do it, but people did it. Anything to get their eyes off the true God. That's how the enemy works. Jesus at that moment showed them right then and there that the most important thing that they were overlooking. He actually said the real significance of that scripture is not that Moses gave you bread from heaven, but that my father is right now, right now offering you bread from heaven, the real bread. The bread of God came down out of heaven and is giving life to the world. He's sitting there saying, you're talking about bread. You're talking about bread from heaven. You're talking about Moses and, and manna, but you know what? You don't even realize that I am the bread of life. If you would just accept me, if you would understand who I am, you will never, ever want for anything else again. That's what he wanted him to understand. You don't even understand. You're missing the whole big point. It's not manna. It's not bread from heaven. It's not multiplying bread. I am the bread of life. That's what he's saying. And what's really amazing is the response. They jumped at that. They actually said, Master, give us this bread now and forever. See, what happened at that point is they recognized, they started to recognize who Jesus is. They didn't call him rabbi then, did they? They called him master. You know what that is? 
What's a slave call a person who's in control? Master. They started to recognize that he was Lord of their life, that he was in control. At that point, they started to recognize that that's what we need to do. We need to start realizing that Jesus is God. He is the I am. They saw the I am. Jesus says, I'm telling you the most solemn and sober truth now. Whoever believes in me has real life, eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna bread in the desert and they died. But now here is the bread that truly comes down out of of heaven. Anyone eating this bread will not die ever. I am the bread, living bread who came down out of heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live and forever. The bread that I present to the world so that I can eat and live is myself. This flesh flesh and blood self. He's saying, listen, I am the bread of life. If you would just accept me, if you would know what I've done for you, you would live forever. Now understand, that doesn't mean that we're not going to physically die. Our bodies are someday going to die. Every one of us. It's 100% like Pastor says. There's no getting out of it. We're all going to have that happen unless Jesus comes back, which he will. He is going to come back for the people that he um, calls his chosen ones. But if he doesn't come back in our time, we're going to die. But what's amazing is we'll pass from this life immediately into the presence of God. We won't have death as in hell when you're a true believer. You're going to live forever in heaven. Truth is, like Pastor says, you are going to live forever anyway. You will never not exist again. Once you were born, at one point you didn't exist. Once you were born, you will always exist. It's just where you're going to spend your eternity now. Are you going to choose heaven? and you're going to go there forever, or are you going to choose hell and live in hell forever? That's the difference. That's the point. I am the bread of life. He says you don't have to go to hell. You can have life, and you can have it to the full. You can have it to the abundance. That's what he says. But he asks, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Have you ever met the bread of life? I have. I've met him. And you know, I'm going to tell you, there's these people that come in and out of services in churches all throughout our nation, and they think they met them. If it didn't change you, then you didn't meet them. I'm telling you, you didn't meet them. If you can turn around and sin and do the things that you've always done and not have one bit of remorse, frustration about who you are, and actually be really sad that you're not changing, then you have not met the living God. You've not met the bread of life. You've got to get through that through your head. I'm so tired of these people. It's like, oh, I used to serve God. You know what? You didn't serve the God that I serve. And you didn't know him. You didn't know him. You didn't meet him. You don't know him because he doesn't, that doesn't happen. I would never, ever be the same person I was after, you know, 28 years of living life. I would never go back to that life again because he completely changed me. And the person I was makes me sick. I wouldn't want to be that person ever again. I was miserable, lonely, unhappy, dying. What good was it? And all of a sudden, he turns around. He gives us life. Last week, we called out to God in our I am's, and we put them up on the board over there, the the wall. You know, if you spoke something good on there, he heard it because he said, I hear. If you spoke of hurts, he heard it. If you spoke of a complaint, he heard it. Those people walking for 40 years in the desert complaining about the lack of food. Every time that they said, I am hungry, I am miserable, I am tired, I am unhappy. 
Every single time you heard it because he, they said, I am. I am. They got God's attention every single time. Jesus is no different. He is, I am. Every time we say it today, it might be God the Father, Jesus came. Every time we say the word I am, he hears it now. He hears it. Moses spoke to Aaron in Exodus 16. He says, tell the Israelites, come near to God. He's heard your complaints. That's what he said to him right after this whole entire thing about them complaining about the lack of food. He says, tell the Israelites, I heard their complaint. He heard your complaint. He hears your complaints on a daily basis. Everything that you say that you complain about, when you say I am, he hears you. He hears you. God is that close. He's that present in your life. I am. I want you to examine your hearts. I need you to really think about the fact if you know who the true I am is. Don't walk out of here and thinking that you know if you really don't feel like there's something that's changed inside of you. If there's not something, if there's not something inside yourself that's like, you know, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know. If you honestly just want to go out and be the same person you've always been, you haven't met him. You don't know who he is. Do you want to call him teacher? Or do you want to call him master? I am a slave for Christ. I am a slave for Christ. I'll say that to anybody, anytime. Whatever God tells me to do, I will do it. I told Shelby today, I said, you know, I'm starting to really wonder if I'm not called to do missions in, in, in Israel. But I'm not to be a missionary. I said, I really think about it. Maybe that's what God's going to do and tell me to do. If he tells me to go, I'll go because he's my master. I am his slave. I will do what he says if that's what he wants for me to do. We're going to do something um, a little different tonight. And I want you to sit still. Uh, Russ, can you come forward? We are actually going to take the bread if you've ever paid attention to communion, God talks about how he is the bread of life. He's the blood of Christ, you know, the blood and the body. But he talks about being the bread of life. And I really, this is not really a communion service, but we're going to each take a piece of bread. And I'm going to read to you another scripture verse, what it says about it. Russell's going to actually pass it around so you can start. But we are going to just examine it. Take it, don't, don't take it yet, but just take a piece, rip it off of there, and we're going to pass it around to every single person so you can take one, Okay. But we are going to uh, make sure that you take a, a small piece, enough so that there's actually some people in the back still get some. I'm sure that there will be. Hey, before it goes, let me have a piece. <laughs> Thanks. Um, the fact that God used things that were so everyday in our life, I think, is amazing. He never spoke of our, over our heads. The God that we serve is actually a God who makes it so approachable to come to him for salvation, to know who he is to recognize these simple things in life. How many of us eat bread on a daily basis? I do. I love bread. If there's anything that could ever be taken away from me, this would probably hurt me if bread was gone. I love bread. I'm thinking this will be, uh, this, is, this is something that would be hard. I could give up ice cream. I could give up cookies. I could give up anything. Just don't take away good bread and butter. That's all I ask. But I want to give everybody a chance to get a piece of bread I want you to just look at it. Do you understand? He says, I am the bread of life. Something so basic that we take and consume every single day, that we love, that we exist with. He says, I am that close. I hope you never look at bread the same way. I hope every single time you look at bread, I am the bread of life. I hope you recognize how close he is, that he's there for you if you want him. He says, just start to call me 
Master, don't call me rabbi. Don't call me teacher. Recognize that I am the living God. I am the bread of life. I want to read to you this real quick scripture, what Jesus says. He says, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. I have told you this explicitly because even though you have seen me in action, you still don't really believe me. Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me. And once that person is with me, I hold on and I don't let go. I came down from heaven not to follow my own whim, but to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. This, in a nutshell, is that will. That everything handed over to me by the Father will be completed. Not a single detail missed. And the wrap-up of time, I have everything and everyone put together, upright and whole. This is what my Father wants. That anyone who sees the Son and trusts who he is and what he does and aligns with him will enter real eternal life. He says, I'm here to give you freedom if you want it. Freedom from what the world says, but slavery to him. It's such a great change. It's such a fabulous exchange. If you have to give up anything, to give up your own self to be able to do the will of God is amazing. Jesus was so faithful to God the Father that he did everything that God said he was supposed to do. And obviously we know what he did. He suffered. He suffered on the cross for each one of us. I've said it before, and I I truly believe that when we finally look at Jesus dying on the cross, when I can look at Jesus and I can see at least one time he got whipped on his back, that at least one time he was hit was because of my sins, my personal sins that did it to him. Then I think you start to understand who Jesus is. I think when you can recognize that he didn't just die for these, he didn't just decide, when, I, when I'm standing here, I'm not looking and saying, hey, Adam, he died for you. He died for me because I'm a sinner. He died because I'm not going to ever be good enough. The word says it. We're never going to be good enough, no matter how great of a person you are. You could perform great things for people. You're never going to be good enough to get into heaven unless we accept the perfect sacrifice, the bread of life. So I just want you to eat it, okay? Take him in, the bread of life. He's a good God. He's an amazing God. I really just want to give you an opportunity tonight to think about who you are if you've met the bread of life, if you know who he is. If you don't know, I'm telling you, I'm not asking you to come be part of CYM every day, start doing stuff up here, come to our church. I'm not asking that. I don't care if you never come back. If you would just understand what Jesus did for you, I would be thrilled. If you could just understand the salvation experience, that you don't have to jump through hoops, you don't have to pay no money, you have to do nothing. All you have to do is say, God, ABC, Admit that you're a sinner, that you're never going to be good enough to make it to heaven on your own. Believe in Jesus Christ. And also confess your sins to him. Just say, God, I'm not perfect. I'm not. Will you please be Lord over my life? Will you be master? Will you be my savior? All you have to do is whisper those words to him and that you're saved. You don't have to come tell anybody. You don't have to do all these things. People make salvation so hard and it's so simple. He says even a child can understand it. If you've never, ever accepted Jesus, I just beg of you with all my heart that you would understand what Jesus did and you would actually say that to Jesus. Just whisper that to him yourself. 
If you need me to pray for anything else for you, if there's something going on in your life, if there's some struggle, if there's an illness in your family, if there's something you want to talk to me afterwards, come up to me. I'll be more than happy to pray with you. Any of the people that have been up here on the stage are more willing to pray with you. The people in the back, other people that are leadership, I mean, they, they're more than willing to pray with you for anything that you need. Prayer is asking God, talking to God, communicating with God so we stay close. That's what it's all about. So I want to pray for you real quick. And... Uh, then we'll get dismissing. Lord, I just thank you so much for your word. I am just in love with your word, Lord. I'm so thankful that you give us such clear directions about how it is that we reach you. I just pray, Father, that you just make these scriptures, Lord, come alive to each person that reads it. I just pray that as they read, they wouldn't be confused, Lord, that you would just open it up and make it so transparent to them that you would just help them to know who you are. I just pray, Jesus, that you would really start to just help their hearts to grow warm to you and soften them, Lord. Help them not to be closed off and and just uh, so keeping you at arm's length. I just pray that they would welcome you into their life and that you would just give them freeness and and, uh, just wholeness that comes from you. I just thank you, Lord, for what you've done here tonight. I just pray, Jesus, for each part of this word that's spoken. I know your word says it never goes off void. Every time we speak your word, it never just drops to the floor. It actually goes and continues to go forever. And I just pray, Jesus, that tonight that's what took place. I just pray, Father, that you just go home with each person that's here. Protect them, protect their families. I just pray that you'd help them to just know who you are, Lord, in their life. And I pray that they would just really recognize you, that they would trust you. And I just praise you, Jesus, for what you're going to do here tonight, Lord. And we just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.